opinions expressed on the ACB media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody, and welcome once again to Sports Roundtable. My name is Bob Branco with episode 298, dated Monday, July 24th, 2023. Before we continue, allow me to introduce who we have so far for our panel members. And then, of course, we have a special guest lined up, which I would like to uh, get to shortly. We start out with Peter Alchil. Welcome to uh, balmy and pleasant Columbia, Missouri. It's only 91 degrees here and humid. That's all? Yeah, only 91. All right. Reverend Michael Garrett. Welcome to a hot, you already know, I think Herbie told us, 96 degrees in in Houston and Missouri City, and uh, we actually have a little thunder in the in the offing. I hope that means we're going to get some rain. All right, uh, Don Wardlow and Luther King should be with us, as far uh, as I know. I'm here, Bob. Oh, hey, there you are, Don. Don. Wardlow yeah, I came in when you were doing the open. I okay. apologize for that. Oh, we welcome you, of course. Surely it's a hot day here. I don't know if it's going to storm or not. I haven't even been looking at the weather lately. All right. And Luther should be here shortly. Before we continue, let me thank those people who make it possible for our podcast to be made available to the public. We have our media outlets, of course, who air us when they do. And I want to thank them for that. Raymond Gay, our editor and producer. Thank you for what you do. And, of course, Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place Chatline for posting our podcasts on bulletin board number 14. And finally, Jacqueline Sylvia, JS Web Solutions, thank you for archiving our shows on my website, which is www.brancoevents.com. Just go there, arrow down until you get to Sports Roundtable Podcasts. Click on them, and you will hear our archived programs from latest to earliest. Merci, Jackie. We're very pleased to have a special guest with us today, Teresa Walker of the Associated Press. She's a writer and she's covered a lot in the past uh, couple decades, including football, hockey playoffs. I think she had a hockey all-star game once. So, Teresa, thank you for taking the time to be with us on Sports Roundtable today. It's a pleasure. Absolutely, my pleasure. And just for the record, uh, I'm glad that the Titans aren't on the field today, but because it uh, is 91, but feels like 97. Unfortunately, when they hit the field on Wednesday for their first practice of training camp with the veterans and the rookies, the temp is supposed to be 97. So that means it's going to feel a lot hotter than that. So uh, we're looking at a steamy start to training camp for the Tennessee Titans. So it should be fun. Well, DeAndre Hopkins better get used to it. That's all I know. We wanted him. See, I'm a Patriots fan, Teresa, and I wanted him. But the Titans took him, and congratulations to them. They they got a good one. And I hope he helps the team win a lot of games. He's, well, he's uh, used to it. He's used to it he, from, from Houston. 
I, I was just going to say that, Reverend Mike, because that's the thing. I mean, you know, although don't don't they uh, the Texans usually practice indoors a lot at, at Reliant NRG Stadium? Uh, because, uh, but I will say, yeah, he, they they have uh, tweeted out pictures of him in his number ten, uh, along with pictures and video of him officially signing his contract on Monday, uh, July twenty fourth. So, you know, if you saw the IG video last week, well, it's official, and yes, yeah, he should be. Uh, yeah, he should be used to the heat that he's going to be seeing here. Yeah, they, they do practice. They do practice outside sometimes. But I got I got another issue. I want to I want to I want a, a bone to pick, uh, 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 Teresa. Go right ahead. Down here, down here in Houston, uh, everybody knows that. Uh, well, you know, we all know that the, the Titans are the old Houston Oilers. And so we heard that they're going to throw out their 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 throwback uniforms. They were the old Tennessee Oiler uniforms, but they looked like the old Houston Oiler uniforms. So everybody here is they're all up in arms that why would they do that? <laughs> I just heard the, about this, Michael. Yes, I heard this. Is this the first time? Uh, well, here's the thing. They've been teasing it for the last week, and they announced it last night that, yes, they will be wearing uh, throwback uniforms for two home games this year. They uh, had asked and wanted to wear them on the road against the Miami Dolphins when they play them this season. But uh, so we're, we're going to have to find out which two uh, games in Nashville they wear them. But, uh, yeah, it's the uniforms that they wore between 1981 and 1998, the last two years as the Tennessee Oilers. And I understand that folks in Houston are, are getting a little ticked. I, I saw, I've seen some tweets from J.J. Watt not happy about it. But uh, unlike the situation in Cleveland where the, the Cleveland fans got, to, got the NFL and Art Modell to agree to leave the Cleveland Browns in history in Cleveland, uh, in exchange for you know letting Art Modell take the team to Baltimore, the the Bud Adams, you know, he he started negotiating exclusively with Nashville to relocate his team after Houston's mayor refused to you know do a deal with him on a replacement to the Astrodome. And, you know, hey, that's the way it went down. Houston, you know, didn't have the foresight to try to hold them over a barrel, an oil barrel in this case. And and, and Bud took the oiler nickname with him. And and guys, when and the fun thing about this is the merchandise, people are going crazy for it here. And the funny thing is I've covered this team since they moved to Nashville, right? And in 1997, 98, Fans here were not happy in Tennessee over being called the Tennessee Oilers for two years. They're like, wait, wait, we got a new NFL team. We want our own nickname, our own logo. And they kind of went back to the Titans, which, you know, that's what the New York Jets were called originally. Uh, and, and so they kind of tagged into that. And, and talk about some AFL Houston history, Bud Adams you know, agreed to let the New York Jets take Joe Namath in the draft, knowing that that was a player that would help strengthen the AFL and their push to get a, a merger with the NFL, which finally went down in 1970. But that didn't happen with Houston. They didn't they didn't put on the you know, they didn't try to hold on to anything. They were essentially by don't let the door hit you where the good Lord, you know, 
So he took it with him. And then Titans fan, or excuse me, Tennessee fans here were like, we want our own nickname. That's how the Tennessee Titans came to be. Uh, I was there for the announcement when they said we're going to be the Tennessee Oilers. And then I was there for the announcement literally in a tent next to the Parthenon here in Nashville for the Tennessee Titans nickname. So, uh, but as somebody who grew up watching Earl Campbell, Dan Pastorini, Warren Moon, Haywood Jeffries, I, I like that look. In fact, my husband got a, a Christmas present the first year that team was here. Uh, that number nine worn by Steve McNair, autographed by Steve McNair, was his Christmas present that first year in 1997. And that blue, red, white, and red, it looks good. <laughs> I, I guess my I guess my comment is, uh, with all due respect, I don't think Tennessee is an oil as an oil state. Uh, I, I, I think the Titans is a much more appropriate name than the Oilers for the Tennessee team. But what do I know? Teams who move should keep an eye on that. I can give you another example, Peter. I'm glad you brought this up. Okay, I want to switch over briefly to basketball, only to make the point even further that you're making, Peter. The Vancouver Grizzlies became an expansion team in basketball back in 1995. How many Grizzlies do you know that are in Memphis? Are there any Grizzlies out in Memphis? I don't think so. Graham, what's the point of the Utah Jazz? I mean, really, yeah. New Orleans yeah. Jazz, that makes a okay. world of New sense. Orleans. Utah Jazz makes no sense. Are there are LA, there? LA Lakers, guys? I mean, that's, that's the thing. They're not that's exact. And, 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 you know, Magic Johnson, when they when the NFL approved the uh, Washington sale last week, he's like, hey, we're going to be looking at changing that name. And, you know, they may be putting a few breaks on that at the moment, but, uh, you know, because the NFL takes its time when they're doing a rebrand, rename of anybody. It's not something that happens quickly. So, um, but but that's the thing. If you're trying to match to fit, you know, it, nothing makes sense. But actually, the, uniquely, uh, and there are some oil derricks in the state of Tennessee. And as the Tennessee Titan social media team last night pointed out, yeah, they've got an oil derrick, uh, somebody I named Derek Henry, who somehow in the pictures they shared last night looks bigger than Jeffrey Simmons, number 98. And I, I'm just, I have to admit, I'm looking forward to it because the, the players are going to be able to wear red cleats, red gloves, red sleeves, you know, to make that red pop. You know, uh, for a time they were selling, you know, a uh, kind of a, a, a what people wanted to be a third jersey, a red jersey. That didn't come to be. So this is going to add a lot of red to the, to the look. And it replaces the light blue jersey as the uh, team's third alternate jersey for the upcoming season Teresa um before we continue could you give us a little background about how you got started in sports I know we've been doing this for a while I would imagine uh that you you entered a time when women weren't quite as well uh supported then as they are now talk about your sort of journey from how you got started to where you are now well, absolutely. And, and, and I grew up at a time in the seventies watching and I become an, I became an NFL fan because there were more NFL games on TV in the seventies than college football. I know it seems strange to even imagine that now, but I watched the NFL with my mom. Um, one reason why I rooted for the Houston Oilers, she loved the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, I just, I didn't, you know, I'm sorry. I, I was also, I also grew up watching Bob Greasy uh, back in the day when he was wearing glasses while playing quarterback for the Dolphins. And so uh, I, I, I watched that, but the only women you could see doing in the sports media industry 
uh, Phyllis George when she was on the CBS uh, uh, Today pregame show. Then it was Jane Kennedy. Uh, you know, I went to college uh, in journalism at the University of Tennessee, but I worked my way through school. So I, I wrote one sports story for the uh, college paper. And then it's like, you know, communication in the early 80s for people, you know, today we can reach somebody in an instant. Well, back then it was stick a note in a cubby hole and see if somebody responded. I was working my way through school, full classes, full 40 hours a week job away from college. So it's like, you know what, I don't have time for this. And then worked for a newspaper out of college two and a half years at the Daily Times in, in, in East Tennessee. But I was covering the police beat, the courts, uh, school boards. And I did one high school football game at my high school alma mater when somebody quit the sports department. I wrote a sports feature and I wrote a, they let me write a sports column on a trip I paid for up to see the Cubs in 1989. And then when I joined the Associated Press, uh, I was doing nights and weekends writing college, basketball, baseball, minor league baseball, or, you know, uh, football, you name it. And in June of 1992, I got a chance, was named the uh, AP. AP State Sports Editor for Tennessee. And at that time, I was just the fourth woman at that time to have a sports byline as a woman for the Associated Press. And uh, even then, there was still, you know, the internet was a, in its nascent period, and I couldn't communicate to the other three women. And it took me a while to find the, the Association for Women in Sports Media, which was founded in the 90s, to see other women. You know, I was, I, I, I subscribed to Sports Illustrated, but there, you know, it was mostly male bylines at that time. So I, I did not see other women doing this. So it was just being a sports fan and wanting to work, be a journalist that helped steer me toward this field. And and so you've covered, uh, as your bio indicates, lots of different things. You college uh, college football, pro football, hockey, basketball, primarily in Tennessee. Is that right? Correct. I, I cover. I am responsible for everything inside the borders of Tennessee, which is why over the last month or so, I have covered everything from a NASCAR Cup race, uh, the, the NHL draft. Uh, and uh, had the NBA playoffs earlier this season. Uh, the Grizzlies were eliminated in their first opening series by LeBron and the Lakers. Uh, I, I've covered six Olympics, waiting to see if I get to go to Paris next year for my seventh. Uh, I covered the uh, women's gold medal win in hockey in 2018 in South Korea. Uh, that was number Olympics number five. I got to go to Japan a couple years ago. I've been to, I've covered in person five Super Bowls, helped cover a sixth remotely during COVID uh, when that was in Tampa and the Bucks won on their home field. So uh, I've traveled some out of state, but uh, mostly for those big events. Uh, other than that, I, I've got enough in the state of Tennessee from Bristol to Memphis to keep me busy. What about baseball? I'm expecting baseball. I've been saying for uh, 13 years that I thought by 2025, Nashville would have a major league baseball team. Uh, I might be a year or two off, but uh, there's a group in town, the Nashville Stars, trying to get an expansion franchise when baseball does expand. There is a billionaire in town that has made a bid reportedly trying to buy the Tampa Rays and bring them to, to Tennessee, to Nashville. Uh, there's also a one of the uh, Orioles 
owners who lives in Middle Tennessee. His wife is a, you know, a singer, and there's been reports in Baltimore that he might try to relocate the Orioles to Nashville. So at some point, it feels like I'm going to get a fourth major league team. And oh, yeah, I do have an MLS team that last I checked is either second or third in the East for MLS and Nashville SC. And their new uh, stadium opened just last year. It's a beaut if you haven't been to Geodas Park. You know, as of right now, I don't think Orioles fans would want them to move. They're in first place. Well, exactly. But, uh, you know, that's the thing. You know, as we started this whole all thing up, you know, Bud Adams, when he didn't get what he wanted in Houston, he took his team and left. So uh, we'll see what Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball have in store. But let's just put it this way. Nashville, I think, would be a mighty attractive market for an American League franchise. I'm in favor of Tampa Bay moving there. No offense to Tampa Bay fans or residents, but you know, they're not drawing. They're not drawing much of a crowd down there. Somebody in Baltimore wasn't very happy, and they picked up their Baltimore team and moved it to Indianapolis. Yeah, tried the late great Art Modell from the Cleveland Browns. Hi, Luther. What I wanted to say though, and while I do, while you're on the line, you must have covered the person I referred to privately as. First Lord Vader and then Lord Voldemort, <laughs> and that one person is the one and only Pat Summit. Uh, yes, I, I actually uh, going to the University of Tennessee. I actually killed some time between classes my freshman year watching them practice uh, inside Stokely Athletic Center. Uh, you know when I worked. Oh, at there's my first... a name I haven't heard in a long time. Right, and since they I... built Thompson Bowling. Exactly. So I would sit there in the seats and either nap or write, you know, if they were practicing, I would watch uh, at my first paper uh, new, newspaper job. They would say, hey, yeah, you can go to those NCAA tournament games. Just bring us back the stats and some of the printed quotes and somebody will write a story up tomorrow. Oh, to, yeah. uh, I covered her at many uh, uncountable SEC tournament games, games against Vanderbilt, a game against the Vanderbilt women where the fire marshal literally had to say no more people inside Memorial Gym. I bet. Uh, yeah, SEC tournaments galore, NCAA tournament games galore, uh, and, and actually started watching her back when she was coaching Tennessee in the AIAW days. So, yes, and, and one of the greatest moments of my career and top three interviews of my entire career will always be the time that I interviewed her in 1998 in her office with the door closed uh, about the three-peat they had just posted and the championship game where for about a 15-minute period there in that first half, it looked and felt like I was watching the, 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 the Showtime Lakers, the way the Lady Vols were going up and down the court, moving that ball around. It was, it was magical. And I wrote about her for the uh, for our college basketball package that fall and I was told you've got to cut some out of this it's bigger than the men's college basketball preview and I'm like I I cut 200 words from it I said I can't cut any more from this so it is what it is it's Pat Summit run it and it it was close I may have been a few words more than the men's preview that year is that when they had Marciniak Oh no no! This was uh, the at, that was the Candace. Pro- that was what to me. No, nope, this Shemika? was the, yes. This was the Neek. So the three yes. Neeks, you know, Shamika, Samika, and uh, Samika uh, Randall. Hol- yes, Samika Randall and Tamika Holtz. And yeah. yes, 
And yes. Cole, Cole, I called her Coleslaw because I was a Yukon fan. <laughs> I can't imagine coming up there and being a, a you know, and, and, and wait, Lord Voldemort, and isn't that what most NFL fans refer to Bill Belichick as these days? Probably yes. do. <laughs> exactly. But so, when she so, when she took so, sick, she got sick with the same thing that my mom died with. So I quit all that Voldemort nonsense when she took sick. I couldn't do it. Well, as, as, as somebody whose mom is suffering from the same thing, uh, uh, appreciate that. And, and, and my condolences to you. And, uh, you know, guess what? We can call, I think, I think some Tennessee Lady Vols fans call Gino that these days. Just I bet. <laughs> yeah, because he's kind of slacking a little bit because he's been knocked out before they even get to the Elite Eight. Yeah, he's been getting lazy on the recruiting, Gino has. I thought, well, I, some, I, thought I saw something where they had picked up a couple of recruits i had thought they better they 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 need help they can't do what they did last year again well Paige is coming back right so she should yeah be she's coming back that'll i hope so great. that'll be great for women's basketball and i think he's got a center coming from egypt the egyptian oh. national team if i saw a tweet right earlier mm-hmm. today so yeah i'll just say this and and i'll just uh kudos to Candace uh, Story Lee, the Vanderbilt AD, daring to go ask Shay Ralph a question that other people, they just assumed she was waiting to replace Gino. She went and said, hey, you want to come coach at Vanderbilt? And uh, Shay Ralph looked for that team, her team this year. Uh, she is really, she is quickly turning around a program that desperately needed to be brought back to its former glory. Michael Garrett. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, quick comment and then a question. Uh, uh, those guys have to go – they're going up against South Carolina and LSU in recruiting uh, women's basketball. But but, but speaking of the Vols, uh, Josh Heifel made a comment the other day that uh, – and, and we go back and forth with this. Uh, there's only one UT. But we're coming to the Southeast Conference. So – We'll we'll be there next year, but uh, talk about how the uh, Vols program looks uh, uh, this year in football. Uh, I'll tell you, Mike, they're going to look good. And uh, I'll I'll admit, I mean, think about this. They lose Hendon Hooker and, uh, you know, he was getting Heisman Trophy votes. If if he had not gotten hurt, if they had not had that bad loss to South Carolina, they met, you know, they were in the mix for, you know, they finished sixth nationally with Joe Milton coming off the bench and showing, hmm, no, you know, there was no droppage whatsoever. You lose your quarterback to a torn ACL, usually there's some drop off. And instead, all he does is come in and they don't skip a beat offensively. And he put, you know, he leads them to a route of number 10 Clemson in the Orange Bowl. So in that offense, um, you know, the big game for Tennessee is going to be November 18th. That's when Georgia, the two-time back-to-back na- national champs, come to Knoxville. And uh, I- I've been saying this for a while. I think Tennessee will win that game because when Neyland is rocking, and if you watched any of the Tennessee-Alabama game last year. And that was can- a doggone good one. It is Right. And the energy and, the you know, just the that is Neyland. When, when Neyland is like that, Tennessee and the Vols 
are among the best places to be in college football. And uh, so I think Tennessee is going to have a chance. I, I think they beat Georgia in that game because they know who their quarterback is. And no offense to Kirby Smart and how they've reloaded at Georgia. They've got to figure out who that quarterback is there. And Alabama's looking for their new quarterback. So it just feels like this is going to be a chance for Tennessee. Oh, by the way, Tennessee, which as a university has been around longer, uh, they were founded before, you know, 1796. And uh, thanks to some Tennesseans, the volunteer nickname came because so many Tennesseans volunteered and went down to some place called Texas to help that place, you know, fight for its independence. Just going to say Sam Houston literally had a schoolhouse and taught in the county that my family is from in East Tennessee. Just pointing that out, Mike. Okay. I, okay. I wanted we'll to be on the field. <laughs> Teresa, I wanted to get back to the NFL. It was brought to my attention right before we started the program today that already there is going to be a season ending injury for a running back. Something about a jet ski accident. Has well, anybody heard about Naheem, that? Naheem Hines from the Bills got her. Yeah, I That's think so that I think it today. was Luther. Out for the yes. season. And, and the Buffalo Bills, Bills were one of the teams being mentioned. Ooh, if the Titans are going to trade Derrick Henry, like one, why would they? And then two, Buffalo was being, uh, you know, seen as a, a potential target in, in it for a trade partner if that happened. And so, uh, yeah, now find a, a running back. You know, that was a great pickup for them last year. He, I mean, he's done a lot of damage to the Titans over the years, no matter what uniform he's been in, you know, yes. catching passes out of the backfield. So I hate to see that injury. Uh, and especially the way it happened, he was on a jet ski and some, you know, sitting still on a jet ski and somebody crashed into him. So, uh, you know, it, feel for him and, and the bills, that is just not the way you want to lose a player. Absolutely, and, and now, now that now they've got, now from what I'm hearing, they got like Dalvin Cook connected. They've got a, they've got like one or two other guys connected to Buffalo. But I'm like, can Buffalo really spend that amount of money to get a guy like that? Because they didn't do some serious cap um, adjustment to make that fit. Because like we were talking about last week, you can't if you're going to make a deal, it's got to make sense dollar for dollar. Well, and that's the thing, you know, sometimes you get in a position that because you don't have any choice and, uh, you know, that's that's the problem. When you have an injury, sometimes you have to do some things to help yourself. And as I look at spot rack right now, they're 28. Uh, so they've only got $4.9 million in cap space. That said, you know, Tennessee was near the bottom and they reworked, restructured uh, Kevin Byard's deal. Uh, that report came out late last week. Suddenly they're 12th in the NFL with cap space. You got to have some walking around money. Well, they've got some at 14.9. It just goes to show you restructure somebody's contract. You can create some space and they're going to have to, to, because if you're going after somebody like a Dalvin Cook, you're going to have to pay. And that's where, you know, that's the problem. Suddenly you, you have to start rearranging deck chairs, contracts to make something happen. So you can go fill a spot like that. Think about and this for a second. You got, a Delvin Cook who has a cap who had a cap hit for his set for his tag at 10-1. You've got a Saquon Barkley who also has a cap of 10-1. And you also have who is the other one? Josh Jacobs, who has a now a tag of 10-1. Those are like the three big running backs that are right now just sitting there at 10-1. They're gonna hold in, withhold services, or not sign a one-year contract because they want in long-term deals. So my question is this. 
what can running backs do to allow the NFLPA to basically say, hey, instead of waiting for like the third or fourth year of a contract, have the running backs and get free agency in two years instead of three, because they can make any, they can make any concession they want, but it's got to be on an up and up because the PA, because the running back wants something, you know, the NFL is going to be like, okay, if you want it to look like that, you're going to have to give us this to make it work. Well, here's the challenge though, Luther is, you know, I looked at spot racks breakdown of, you know, average salary by position. And right now, running backs are averaging 1.7 million. Now, fullbacks, 1.7. And as somebody pointed out to me last night, look how many teams are really carrying fullbacks. It's more like it's a tight end. Not as many as not as many as they once did, but it feels like fullbacks or running backs are being devalued because they can use a tight end at that spot. So they don't have to worry about paying an extra back just for blocking. Exactly. And you know what positions are, are paying are being an average have an average pay less than running backs right now? Fullbacks, punters, long snappers. Not surprised. Uh, that's the thing. And and, and how do they fight that? Well, you know, that's the challenge. You know, the problem is they have become replaceable. And, uh, you know, Derrick Henry is one of those guys who had a franchise tag, got a four-year extension right before the deadline from the Tennessee Titans because they they know what they've got with this team. I mean, this has been a running – Organ, you know, running based offense literally since they moved to Tennessee. I mean, first it was Eddie George, then it was Chris Johnson. For a while there, they had, uh, you know, uh, uh, Travis Henry, Chris Brown, then it became Chris Johnson, then it was Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry, you know, think about this the Tennessee Titans franchise, there have been eight men run for 2,000 yards. Two of them have played for the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee, Chris Johnson and Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry, I think, would have done it again in 2021, if not for breaking a foot. So, uh, I mean, he was leading the league and he still finished, I think, fifth that year, despite missing five or uh, nine games with the broken foot. So, and last you know, year, he finished second behind Josh Jacobs. Behind a horrible, no good, bad offensive Oh, line. don't. Oh, please. There's a lot more words I could say about that. That garbage. Exactly. So there's Luther, there's a reason they spent the offseason working to change out that that whole offensive line. I mean, Nicholas Petit Frere, who's now going to miss the first six games of the season with the suspension for gambling while at the facility. Yeah, uh, they've got to replace him. And that's what we're waiting to see how they try to do that. But you did know, essentially, they, did they sign George Fant? Because I know last week there was a little report that saying if he did well in his workout, they were probably going to sign him for more depth purposes. Not at this point. So they, he was apparently they've worked out at least one other person. So they, you know, they don't, uh, they've rookies had to report on Saturday, which is why Will Levis got his rookie deal done and was, you know, available, but they don't have to be on the field until Wednesday. So they've got another day or two. We'll talk to the GM on Wednesday morning and ask, uh, you know, if they haven't filled that spot, how they're going to do it. But right now we're looking at potentially a brand new offensive line uh, for the first six games. Absolutely. Before Nicholas Petit Freire is back, he won that job at right tackle as a rookie last year. And, uh, you know, they brought in Andre Dillard. They brought in, they drafted Peter Skaronski. Uh, he's most likely going to be the left guard. Uh, Aaron Brewer is moving from left guard to center at the moment. Where and I then think they he start- actually might fit. I agree. 
And, and then they've got Daniel Brunskill, who they brought in. So a brand new offensive line. And thanks to the addition official on Monday, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, th- this this offense should be able to take a big jump forward. You know, you know, four teams, it, it, you know, scored fewer points than the Tennessee Titans last year. They were among the worst in the league in passing the ball. So, and they, you know, so you know, they may actually be able to give Derrick Henry room to run. And he, uh, I've been saying this uh, since, you know, he he tweeted last Monday night and was on the Zoom call over the weekend with other running backs about what could they do. And, and I tell you this, he, he can, you know, production, you know, making yourself valuable on the field is how you prove that you're worth money in any industry, but particularly the NFL. If you want to show that running backs can't simply be replaced in the draft and you can use two to make up for one, go on the field and show it, prove it. And yet you've got Josh Jacobs reportedly not reporting for training camp. Saquon Barkley is looking at that option. Uh, the last time a big running back held out for contract was Le'Veon Bell. Didn't work out very well for him. It, it was not. a disaster because that was the following year when he left the Steelers and went to the Jets. And then he was never the same. And basically after one year, he was basically gone. He was basically a shell of what he was. Teresa, what is your take on the sale of the commanders? Well, you read the uh, report that they put out from uh, Mary Jo White uh, that conveniently was released at the same time as they confirmed that the sale had been approved. And, uh, you know, you kind of wonder how did this not happen sooner? Um, You know, and yes, uh, you know, Dan Snyder, it looks like he got a ton of money. But I also looked at a breakdown that, you know, based on how what he bought it for, let's just put it this way, maybe some other uh, team sales uh, across other major league sports got a, a bigger increase in in from purchase price to sale price. Uh, I, I got to think that the NFL, the NFL owners, are and more importantly, Washington fans are just ecstatic for a yep. fresh breath of air in this new group. I mean, if nothing else, you've got Magic Johnson, you know, helping make some history as as another, you know, minority owner in the NFL. And, you know, whether or not they change the name from Commanders or not, they've got a new owner. And, you know, at this point, it should clean up a big mess for the NFL because Dan Snyder was bringing all sorts of headlines that the NFL just, you know, nobody, you don't want them talking about you the way that people have been talking about Dan Snyder over the last three, four, five years. And this makes this issue kind of disappear for them. Well, I was, I I was, I was in Tennessee for, uh, I'm sorry. I was in uh, uh, DC for uh, about five or six years from 1998 to 2005 (laughs) or 2006 and uh, the the DC fans absolutely despised him then Snyder then, and it's must have got, it's only gotten worse since then. I mean, it's just amazing he was around for as long as he was. Uh, I'm I'm delighted he's gone. Well, look, well, look at look at all the stuff that the uh, Beth Wilkinson reported that basically didn't see the light of day, but it basically almost basically was so damning that basically there was a report from Beth Wilkinson before the Mary Jo White report came out to basically tell him to sell the team. Because that's how bad it was. The environment was terrible. Sexual allegations, sexual innuendos, and power plays, and this and that. Heck, even their former playboys, Larry Michaels, who will never be a Frank Herzog, was fired over it. So it was a mess. 
Teresa, I'm curious. You, you talked about the uh, Tennessee Volunteers and how good they're going to be this year, but there was a major NCAA, sl- I don't know if you call it slap on the wrist, but you know, s- some fairly s- significant sanctions that, th- that were placed upon them. What do you make of all that? Well, let's put it this way. They uh, started, I mean, they essentially, it did feel a little bit like a slap on the wrist. Why? No postseason ban. $8 million, you know, they've got the boosters who can help write a check to cover that. That's not a problem, right? Uh, and, And, you know, they dealt with it. And the biggest reason that they escaped with no postseason ban is the fact that they cooperated immediately. Uh, you know, they started, they got a tip in November of 2020, started investigating. They were able, because some of the cheating was done on university phones, they were able to clone those phones because, well, they owned them and yep. got, got these texts to help document the issues, brought in a, a legal staff, brought in the NCA early, and then in January of 21, fired. Jeremy Pruitt and nine other staffers. I mean, you know, and and at the time, you know, people were saying, whoa, the chancellor shouldn't be using that kind of language, stunning uh, allegations, this, you know, you know, it's like she needs to calm down. No, that, that, you know, the, the NCAA wanted that kind. I mean, this is the kind of cooperation that, you know, the NCAA or shoot any prosecutor in any court would prefer, right? Hand us the evidence. They worked with them and the University of Tennessee started automatically, you know, they they started reducing scholarships that first year. Josh Heupel played with 65 scholarship players his first season in 2021. So I think they're, you know, they've uh, got like 12 more that they have to uh, reduce over the five-year program probationary period that they're on. But, uh, you know, the fine essentially is the biggest hit. And, you know, for a university that, you know, selling tickets out, you know, their season ticket base is higher than it's been in a long time. Uh, you know, money's not going to be a problem for them. So, you know, the scholarship hit and potential postseason ban were the two things that they were worried about. And we'll see if Jeremy Pruitt, who's who said he's going to appeal his six-year show cause, well, he has until the 29th to do that of this month. Month. We'll see if he actually does that, but uh, you know, the, you know, he has to go back to the committee on infractions. The same people who imposed this, the show cause order. So, you know, they fired people. They've already taken scholarship reductions. So they've done a lot to, you know, you know, essentially punish themselves. They put themselves in the corner, and the NCAA said, you know, you did almost enough. We're just going to add a little bit more to it. And uh, but yes, uh, Josh Heupel said last week at SEC Media Days that. He anticipated the way the administration was going to deal with things, that it would be a speed bump. And and and, and he says it's in the rearview mirror now. That's really uh, that's thank you for for that. I, I was I was unaware of that Tennessee cooperated because it seems to me if they really want to punish people for these kinds of infractions, they have they they impose postseason bans. That seems to be the biggest penalty they can they can impose. And well, I, let's not forget, let's not forget the biggest penalty they could have imposed. Go back to SMU and the death penalty school, 30 for 30. That's the biggest penalty they can impose if it's so bad that they have no choice but to shut it down. But the only reason they get the postseason ban, if I'm correct, is if the school fails to cooperate or comply with the NCAA's wishes. I mean, let's be honest. They're not going to shut down a Tennessee volunteer football. Well, no. What I'm saying is, 
that will I never happen. They'll do that again. Yeah, I exactly. They'll, do that again. Well, they, they'll probably not do that again, but if you well, watch the 30 for 30 death penalty school, right. the um, Pony Express, that's the biggest one they could get. And Teresa probably remembers the uh, 30 for 30 about SMU. Oh, I remember it well. But again, <laughs> as you pointed out, and, and the NCAA has moved away from, you know, the thing of punishing players who weren't part of it. And Josh Heupel noted that, you know, nobody there was involved with this. You know, they fired 10 people. OK, that, you know, they have a new AD. You know, the AD at the time was given a golden parachute that some Tennessee fans still aren't happy about for Philip yeah. Fulmer, who actually is being paid thirty seven thousand five hundred dollars a month through the end of this year as part of go away. Uh, and then they hired uh, Danny White from a very well respected family of college administrators. His father uh, retired as the uh, athletic director at Duke. Uh, you know, he's got, you know, sisters, uh, you know, the, the, the fan, it's college athletics administration is in the white family bloodstream let's just say that and so new ad new chancellor uh you know Dondi plowman hadn't been on the job that long but she got to you know she took some swift action with president randy boyd and they got a new ad in that and he brought josh heupel with him and you know he brought his staff with a lot of his staff with him and they there were some wholesale changes and now the, the fun thing is you mentioned you know Tennessee had been 10th all time for most wins in college football. And then they made them vacate 11 wins under Jeremy Pruitt, where players who they could document being, you know, getting recruiting violations that guys, let's face it, are now legal under NIL. Right. Uh, you know, so that's the thing. They vacated 11 wins and that knocked Tennessee out of the top 10 for all time wins. So there's been there's been some little punishment, although vacating wins feels like I'm not even sure that's a slap on the wrist. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You are listening to Sports Roundtable. And I think now let's open up the floor to people who want to participate, our listeners. Okay. So, Ray, could you let us know if there are any hands raised? We can Absolutely. have somebody. Uh, Rick, you are up first. Rick, do you have a question for Teresa Walker of Associated Press? She's our guest today. Hello, Rick. He might be muted, I think. Yeah, don't forget to unmute, Rick. <laughs> um. We may have to get okay, back. Okay, there we go. There Here we go. are, Rick. Yeah. How are you, Rick from Florida? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. Um. Um. Doing all right. Um. I want to talk. If you know anything about the um 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 the um the FAU team. Florida Atlantic, um, what kind of a team they're going to have this year? What what team? I uh, thought I thought I saw something. Florida Atlantic, FAU, the, 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 oh, yeah, Florida with, Atlantic. Uh, with okay. um d- with um Dusty May who made the Final Four. I think he got a contract extension, and I think almost everybody's back from that. Team I believe he did, except yeah. for maybe one or two. Yes. So I think they have yes. almost everybody back. So they should be in the mix but they're no longer going to be the hunted anymore because now everybody's going to be chasing them yeah i think everybody's going to be after them that's going to be the thing especially in the Amer- especially in the american I th- either they either yeah. they either they're in the american or um florida international to the american yeah one of the two. yeah 
Yeah. And, yeah any thoughts? Exactly. Any thoughts, Teresa? No, I'm. I, well, that's the thing. I was looking up which F, F, A, if if a I can't speak all of a sudden if a F A U boy put those letters together is in the, which conference because if they're in the uh, uh, American conference I'm just saying Memphis and Penny Hardaway uh, he has done an amazing job of flipping his roster around this off season so um, I'm, I'm just looking to see which conference they're in uh, yes F A U is moving to the American Athletic Conference for this uh, upcoming season so officially here in July, they are now in the American athletics. So uh, I'll just say this, that they're going to have to get uh, past the Memphis Tigers. And I'll just say Penny has done a a masterful job of restocking his roster um, after losing Kendrick Davis, who can't, you know, transferred from SMU and was the uh, conference player of the year. So it, you know, uh, that's the thing when you move up in weight class, so to speak, it can get tougher. And FAU, you know, they're, they're no, everybody will remember them now. They're, they're, they're no longer the, as you mentioned, yes, they're no longer the hunter. They will be hunted. Uh, It's very similar to Gonzaga, Belmont. You know, when you're one of those smaller schools and you start winning big games, when it matters on the NCAA stage, uh, people are very careful when they play you. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, Memphis got Quinterly who transferred from Alabama. And I think they picked up somebody else as another guard as well. So, and I think they're still waiting to see, because I talked to a uh, play-by-play friend of mine who told me that there's a possibility that DeAndre Williams could get a sixth year. So if that wow. happens, who knows what happens with Florida Atlantic? Because Florida yeah. Atlantic's not that big anyway. No, they're not. They're so not. that could be a problem right off the bat, because I have to deal with huh. this and this in here. Yeah. Well, I- Absolutely, Luther. And yes, they are waiting to see if uh, DeAndre Williams gets approved for a sixth year. Uh, you know, because of COVID math, it's like we're going to have uh, maybe a 26, 27 year old player at some point, probably playing somewhere. But uh, he did get Javon Qu- Quinterly to transfer and from and from Alabama. So it's like he, you know, and, he filled the point guard spot. And, and then they got somebody else, I think, from Florida State, didn't they? I, I thought yes. it was something like in the spring. Yes, he the, he he works the transfer portal as well as anybody, and I mean he's turned it into an art form. Thank you so much for your question, Thanks, Rick. Rick. Thanks, Rick. Sure, no problem. Ray, any uh, anybody else? Who's next? All right, yeah. Uh, next up, we have Diane, and then it will be Malcolm. Okay, right. Diane, you're Diane. next. How are you? Um, he- hello, everybody. How are you? Yeah, Diane. go ahead. Um, Teresa, it's great to hear you. Um, I'm, I'm glad you're here. Um, I was going to make the comment that, um, the bills start practice on Wednesday morning, I believe I've heard. And of course I was excited about that, but then I heard about someone being out for the season. Unfortunately, I heard everything except who it was. Naheem Hines, who got who you guys picked up in the trade deadline with the Colts. Yes, he was the one that ran the two kickoffs back against. The yes. <laughs> anyway, um, very sad I, accident. I, 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 I would hate it for anybody, even my worst enemy, to get hurt before a season the way he did. It was a bad, bad situation, and I feel I feel for you if you're a Bills fan because no he kidding. is fun to watch. Right on the heels of Demar Hamill. Yep. Yeah, well, you know, the bad luck continues, apparently. Um, 
but I, I do want to make the comment that I believe the bills will deal with it as best they can because they always do. Oh, I think they'll um, win the division. There's no question. Well, they'll about probably that win the division. Mind. But the question is, can they do something when they get to the playoffs? And it seems like every year they're finding a way to lose each level lower than they should be because everybody's telling them for the Super Bowl. But every well, year it seems like the not, Bills are not this year. They're not. People are leaving them alone. Kind of happy about that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 either the Chiefs or the Bengals uh, that that, or of course the Eagles. So that's what I'm hearing. What are you hearing, Teresa? Super Bowl favorites this year. Well, those are definitely the favors. I mean, how do yeah. you not pick? How do you pick against them right now? Right. Uh, but Cincinnati might have something to say about that. You know, yeah. even with the changes that they've had on their roster, and and, and I'm going to say this. Uh, you know, everybody's paying attention to them. The key about the playoffs is getting in, and right. I know that the Jaguars are the are the uh, you know uh, easy pick out of the AFC South. Uh, don't count out the Titans because. You know, Mike Vrabel has had them competing for a playoff spot essentially each of his five seasons. The two years they didn't make it were in the final game of each season, his first season and this last season when he had quarterback injuries that kept his starter from playing. And even still, they were three minutes away from winning in Jacksonville this last uh, game of the regular season last year. So uh, with them adding DeAndre Hopkins, I I just, you know, I I think the Titans are going to have a great chance to win the AFC South this year. And once you're in, We've seen Derrick Henry run all over people and run them to an AFC championship game. So that's the beautiful thing about sports. Get in and then see what happens. I think if San Francisco gets their quarterback situation straightened out. That's that's the big thing that keeps me away from San Francisco because I'm still not sure that I can say San Fran is up there with the Eagles until they figure out their quarterback position. Michael? Yeah, I was going to say that's my problem with uh, with 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 Tennessee is if they're going to rely, continue to rely heavily on Derrick Henry, that's that's a that's a liability. I'm not sure you can. I mean, to go back to that whole discussion on running backs, that it's hard to to put put all your eggs in a in a in a running back's basket. You know, it's the problem. I, it's the problem I have with 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 my Cowboys. You know, Pollard. Well, you you got Pollard, so you can you can run a lot of stuff with that. He can't. He can't. He can't take the load. He cannot take the. Well, you well, he may not be able to take the load, but the thing is, though, you can do a lot of other stuff like play action and boots off that. So you don't have to just hand it to him every time. And remember, Ryan Tannehill is probably one of the best play action quarterbacks in the game right now. And guess what, guys? They're, you know, they have a new offensive coordinator in Tim Kelly who worked with DeAndre Hopkins in Houston. So he knows that he knows his skills very, very well. Yeah. And with Traylon Burks, Chigaquanquo, they're going to be able to throw the ball much better than they were last year. And guys, they don't have to be in the top five, top 10 uh, passing the ball to be able to take pressure. And, and get some breathing room for Derrick Henry. And uh, I'll just say this. I think Derrick Henry's got more tread on the tires than some people will give him credit for. Um, yes, he. anyone that watched him play high school ball in, in Florida, he put up ridiculous numbers there. But the size of Yuli means that he was running against some smaller defensive players an awful lot. And when he gets to Alabama, 
He didn't start immediately because why? Well, there's some guy named Mark Ingram ahead of him. And so his big year was the year of uh, uh, he won the Heisman. And he sat for most of the first two years with the Titans. Sure did, because they had no. Marco Murray back there in the backfield. It's, it's, it, it seems to me that the, the, the issue for the Titans, from my perspective, not that I'm particularly follow that team, is, is the quarterback. You know, how 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 much better will Tannehill become? Because he always seems to, you know, throw the bad pass at the wrong moment. Uh, well, and, you know, so that's that to me is the, the, the key question for me. Well, here's the thing. Uh, he was thrown to the likes of Nick Westbrook Akine. Well, that's and- true. That you is, know, so so yeah. the options, yes, the top three options this year should, you know, will be the best that he's had since 2019. In 2019, the Titans were second best in yards per game, tied for fourth in scoring. Uh, so, I, you know, when he's got some people that can catch the ball, he has been very good. And so has this offense. Fair, fair enough. Uh, Ray, any, any other? Oh, uh, Malcolm. Malcolm. Malcolm in the middle. Malcolm is our last player. Hi, Hi, Malcolm. Hi, guys. Nice Hello. show so far. Thank you. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot your Teresa. Teresa. Question for you. What do you think of the move of UCLA and USC from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten? And do you think San Diego State will be able to go into the Pac-10? Well, they're holding off on that and staying in the in, in the Mountain West for, for now, at least. And uh, at this point, you know, with UC, USC and UCLA, it's like, I mean, the pac 12 is just, it's, well, it just, it feels like we're waiting for yet another round of musical chairs in conference realignment. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, at this point, I'm not sure where, who ends up where once the music does finally stop. It just feels like, you know, just when we think we're going to catch our breath, you know, a year ago, it's like, or I think it was a year ago, because uh, I was at Media Days last week for the SEC, and, and Greg Sankey's like, yeah, we were talking about, you know, I, we sprang Texas and Oklahoma on you. Well, th- that at least makes sense, because they're in the South. They're close to, you know, Arkansas has built-in rivalries with Texas and Oklahoma from their their older days. In the Southwest Conference. Yes, and but but you know who one the travel is going to be worse not on football because that's a once a week game but basketball and all the other sports uh, it, basketball and baseball especially exactly yeah. and then you 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 know volleyball you, all the other stuff it's like so it it, it ge- graphics are out the window geographics are out the window years ago because think about this it's all about the money. And wherever and whichever conference has the best deal, they can get teams that have to say yes to taking their money. That's where they're going to go. I, I just, exactly. And right now, the Pac-12 is still trying to get a TV deal done. And, it, you know, I know that I heard the commissioner spin late last week about how, you know, that he thinks the value will just go up the longer they work on this. You're, lo- you, you're losing your, two of your big key name programs. That's not helping. Well, I haven't heard any more on Arizona, Oregon, or Washington. Because those are like the big three, and maybe Oregon State. Those are like the yeah, big I'm four. Bring them back. What's that? Michael? Colorado's going to bring them back. <laughs> Please, Colorado's in the Big Twelve. <laughs> no, no, no. Colorado is 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 the Pac Pac twelve. And yeah, well, oh yeah, they were in the Pac. They, but they again, have Deion, they have Deion Sanders. I mean, that, that's a but, here, but here's the but here's the problem though. You're losing Arizona and possibly Arizona State. So you're only going to have 10 teams. 
who else are you going to bring in to fill those spots? That's going to at least have at least somewhat val- of value for those teams that are leaving to go elsewhere. Where Arizona, that's why they were bringing up. That's why they were bringing up San Diego State, but their basketball program and their football program is getting better. But their basketball program's uh, doing so good that they were threatening you, saying that would be a good fit. And I, I heard that they're staying in the Mountain West where they have to pay $1.9 million to come back in. So, yeah, that, that won't help them make the move anytime soon. So I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I, I thought UCLA and USC were leaving the, the Pac-12. Yes, they are. Are, are Arizona and Arizona State leaving as well? I, I'm, I've been hearing rumors and innuendo that, that conferences are looking at them, but I'm not sure how that's going to work. I, I just said well, I, hadn't heard, I hadn't heard that. Oh, I, Teresa, you probably heard it more than I have because I know that Arizona and at least a few other schools have been talked about to go to different have conferences one minute, and folks. so on and so forth. Guys, like I said, the musical chairs are, are moving around right now. Just wait till the music stops and we'll see where, who, who ends up where. In the last minute, can you talk about the Memphis Grizzlies? They've been going through a lot of, of uh, you know, uh, drama over the past year. What's going on with them? You know, they've sort of fallen off and, the radar. And do you think that the move with Marcus Smart for um for Ja, do you think this is a either you straighten up or you're gone? And do you think this is a big year for Taylor Jenkins as well within this last minute? Well, I'll say this. Uh the uh, ownership and the GM, you know, brought in Taylor Jenkins. They understand uh the 25 game suspension for John Morant by the NBA. I think the Grizzlies front office almost welcomed that because they've been trying to get through to John Morant. His on-the-court skills are unquestioned. Uh, but this is a team that when they got the number two seed each of these last two years, well, uh, two years ago, the first year they got that number two seed, not a player on the roster made a bucket who was 30 or older. So Marcus Smart and Derrick Rose bring in experience, veteran leadership, uh, playoff experience, certainly for Marcus Smart. He's never not played in the in playoffs. So the, the, this is, you know, John needs to, you know, get his mind right, be that guy that they need him to be. If he can match off the court with what he does on the court, then he'll be the star that the NBA, the Grizzlies, and everyone hope that he will be. And that's why they brought in Marcus Martin Rose. They are hoping that veteran leadership can be a voice that can be well heard inside the locker room. Hey, I- sometimes our kids don't listen to parents. And our time is up, unfortunately. It was a fast hour. Teresa, thank you very much for taking the time and continued success with your role with AAP. And we'd love to have you back in the near future if you're willing to be here. So, again, thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much to our panel members and Raymond and our participants as well for another great edition of Sports Roundtable. Go safe with God. Blessings, everybody. Have a wonderful week.